What's up, babes? It is May, the month to celebrate our moms. It's a glorious morning, a day that we will never see again in this lifetime. So let's take the time to enjoy life while we can. I'm your girl, Neek Austin, and this is Koro is a Crush. so excited to tell you about our sponsor this week, Black Storehouse. They're a company that gives business owners, influencers, and brand ambassadors the tools they need to successfully launch, grow their brand, and increase revenue. You can find out more by visiting their site at www.blackstorehouse.com and make sure to follow them on social media at Black Storehouse on Facebook and on IG at Black Storehouse 123. Tell them that Neek Austin sent you. Welcome to another episode of Coro is a Crush. I'm Nick Austin, the CEO and founder of Coro, a home-based beauty wellness and design shop providing premium high-quality press-on nails, beauty accessories, and home decor that we know you'll fall in love with, all while providing a community for self-care lovers, beauty mavens, and small business owners to live life on their terms through fashion, beauty, and faith. Good morning, good morning, good morning to everybody out there in the podcast community. I am so glad that you was able to come back and enjoy another episode of Coro is a Crush with me. So we're still honoring moms all month long because we moms deserve to be honored, especially the community that I belong to, my special needs moms. So today's episode, we're talking about special needs mamas and how they can make their lives easier. So I'm going to start off by asking you this question and make sure that if you're listening to this on Spotify that you actually check the Q&A section for the question of the week. Do you have a child with special needs? And if so, knowing what you know now, would you have had them? That's the question of the week. Do you have a child with special needs? And if so, knowing what you know now, would you have had them? Well, here's my answer and my reply. As a special needs mom myself, my answer is yes. I wouldn't have wanted to miss out on the, um, on the experience of raising my own son. But there are definitely things that make it harder than it has to be. And I want to be able to help y'all out. So in this episode, my guest host and I, we're gonna share some tips for making your life easier as, uh, um, as special needs mothers, um, including number one, getting help from others, because let's face it, we all need it. <laughs> Number two, setting up a support system for yourself and your family because it it does drain you. I'm not going to lie to you. It does drain you. So you're definitely going to need that support system to kick in when you need that time away. And number three, creating routines and sticking to them so that way everyone knows exactly what's coming next. All right. So today's guest knows all too well about being a special needs mom. Her child is diagnosed with Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, another word for it is epilepsy, and shaking baby syndrome. But one thing I love about this host, she doesn't allow anything to stop her from what she wants out of life. She's a business owner, a fellow podcaster. Y'all make sure y'all go check her out on um, Spotify as well. Blogger, and the list goes on. Please welcome 
Miss Desiree Covington from Desi Mays LLC. Good morning, my love. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing well, baby. That introduction right there, I need to record that <laughs> and take it everywhere. You know, it is crazy that you say that because for every guest I have had on this um, show, the one thing they say after I say how they doing, Listen, if you get a message in your DM talking, hey, I done um, screen recorded that section. I'm about to put it up. <laughs> Everybody loves the intros that I set for them. I, I don't know what it is, and I guess because my mom, you know, I've always watched her, and she's always been a host, whether it's at church or it's at different functions. And she gets the crowd so hyped that I'm like, okay, so this is what I'm supposed to do. So I get the crowd hyped too. <laughs> Listen, even I was like, ooh. <laughs> I'm glad that y'all love my intros. I, I really, I really do. That keeps, that keeps my, that keeps my, um, that keeps my podcast going, that keeps me going, that keeps my energy up. So I'm glad y'all like these intros and whatnot. But if you really need an intro recording for y'all that are out there in the podcast world, let me know and I can hook you up. Okay, you need to add that to your services. So I'm add it to your services. You know what? I am, you know what? I need to write that down and actually do that. I, I mm -hmm. appreciate that. I never thought about monetizing that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Never thought about it, but hey, my voice can be used for many, many things out here. I can sing and I can talk and I can actually do intros now. So. <laughs> Ooh. I was like, I ain't gonna get started tonight like we did. And then like, you did it, I said, I can't take, I can't be serious. <laughs> I gotta let her know. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I, I really do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hear it all the time, man. Um, for each guest host to say it, it never kicked in that this is something that I'm actually good at, that I can actually put to the use to offer as a service. So for you to even say that, I thank you very, very much. I'm actually going to um, write that down and keep that in mind um, to offer that as a service. So, oh yeah. Yeah, because you have the voice for it. Some people have voices for things and you have the voice for it. And I've heard you sing too, so. Yes. Yes, a lot of y'all have heard me sing, especially on um, uh, the 411 podcast with Laren Gaines. Uh, yes. Back in December, so yeah. No, that was the last time I was on this podcast. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't been back since. Listen, Laren popping too, he busy. I know, I know, and I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of him. Yes. I'm of him. Oh, I'm gonna have him on my podcast. Yes, I am. <laughs> Oh yeah, for June. Uh, I want him for June. I'm going okay. to ask him if he would be there for June. See, he, I believe he dodged me. He ain't gonna be dodging me once he gets tired. Let me tell you that now. He don't keep dodging me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. He been real busy. I've been seeing him put up a lot of stuff, like a long um, He's been in like a couple of magazines and stuff. So I, he's been real busy. Yes, I've- He got you, he got you. Oh yeah, I'm not worried about it. I've watched one of his, um, one of his interviews that he did on somebody else's podcast. And I watched it from the beginning to end. And I was in the mm -hmm. comments, hollering, woo woo, all of it. And you was there too, because I saw you. <laughs> and we was up in there hollering and screaming for him. So yeah, I am very proud 
of what he is doing. Actually, he is the one that got me started back into podcasting again. So I have to have him on my podcast. One of these Wednesdays, I got to have him up here. It's only fair to give back to him because he is the reason why um, the reason why I'm actually doing this again. Because at one point, I didn't want to do podcasting anymore. And then when I got hooked up with him and I was, and he was actually my first interview that I did on a podcast and I was sick as a dog after what took place last year. Like it was the first February, it was the first uh, Sunday in February last year. And I had to do his podcast, but I wasn't in a position to talk because of everything that I've been through. And I told him, just give me a moment to talk. It's gonna take me a while to talk because I can barely breathe, but I'm able to do it. And I was doing interviews while I was sick mm. on my deathbed, can't hardly breathe after surgery. And I hear people complain out here talking about, I can't do this, I can't do that. No, I was on my deathbed doing interviews, being featured in magazines. And, uh, and this was in the beginning of Koro's career. This ain't now. This was in the mm-hmm. beginning of Koro's career. Like it wasn't even two months in. And this is what I was doing. So I don't want to hear nobody's excuse talking about that they can't make it. I, I made it. Yeah. You know, sometimes too, um, it's a di- being parents is a different kind of push as well. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you don't have have it, that community backing you and it's just you. It's a different kind of um, push. So you're gonna get out there and do what you need to do anyway. So the mindset is different. So your mindset is different than a lot of people. And when people give excuses sometimes, it ain't that they can't even, that they can't do it. They're thinking that they can't do it because that's all they've been told and they haven't been taught anything else. And they don't know how to go about learning to say, I can do it and then implement it. Right, right. So I don't wanna hear it. I wasn't able to give excuses. My main focus was, this is what I have to do. And crossing that over into parenthood, I still was not able to give excuses. I still had to do what I'm doing. And my son is now 14. For those that don't know, I am a special needs mom. My son has autism. He is um, on, I I don't want to say he's level two, but he is high function autism. So that's where he's at on the spectrum. He is one level down well i guess it is level two he is level two he's right up on the asperger's he is 14 years old he is a freshman in high school and he is doing extremely well for himself he started off in special education classes my son is now not in special education classes he just has teachers that um help him out in the classroom so he is now with normal kids in class whereas before in elementary school you couldn't Mm -hmm. put him in a normal class with other kids because he wanted to do what they were doing, but because he moved slower than others, it took him a long time for him to understand what it is that he was doing, to understand the information, and it just wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. And so kids were playing on his, um, what's the word I want to use? I can't think of the word I want to use. But they were, excuse me, they were playing on his, um, on his disability. Mm-hmm. But what they were doing was, using him for different things that he did not know were wrong. And I had to cut that out real, real quick. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. And, you know, I don't like for my son to be used by anybody, not even by um, his sister. So I, yeah, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. 
everybody knows out there in my own community, they know I don't play when it comes to that boy. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't play when it comes to my children, period. But him in particular, because I gave birth to him. He's the only child from me. I don't play when it comes to that boy. <laughs> like my mom yeah. be telling people, uh, my mom be telling people up in um, Farmville, she tells them, y'all think that I'm a fool over my grandson? Y'all need to meet his mother. His mother is crazier than me. But see, you're his advocate too. Not only are you his mother, you're also his advocate in different settings. Right. So you're, you're always on speak for my child mode. Whether it be parent mode or advocate mode. That's right. And that's how it should be, especially for, um, well, actually, we're supposed to be advocates for all of our children, no matter where they have, whether they have a disability or not. But there's so many- A lot of parents, they, they don't they don't realize that they think because once they get a certain age, because they're capable and able, right. that they don't have to do that. But I believe we should always be advocates. Yes, because- Even when our children get older and they think they don't, they don't need the advocacy, you, you need it. Because there may be some times that you don't say something that it needs to be said. Right, I still get advocated, I'm 38. <laughs> my mom still advocates for me she's she is 66 i'm 38 she still advocates for me no matter what and like you said as a parent we will continue to advocate for our children even until the end of time and i don't care how old you get you're still going to advocate for your child even when they even when they're adults and they're grown they have their own children and they got their own household their own family to take care of and my mom, even though she is, um, she don't have to be concerned about me no more. I'm always gonna be her concern because I'm the only child that she had. I'm all she has. Just like my son is mm-hmm. all I got. I mean, yeah, I have a daughter. I didn't give birth to my daughter, but I have a daughter and I have a husband, but my son, oh, we think it's thieves. And everybody knows that. When you see me, you see him. Mm-hmm. Only time he don't see me is at school. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I had to learn that people didn't, since they didn't know me, they didn't realize it. I started speaking as one, even though it meant two. Mm-hmm. Because people that knew us knew it was us when I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn to actually speak as, as two and say, um, my daughter and I'll be there. Because right. we had gotten so, inter- I was so intertwined with her. And people were always seeing us. Some people didn't even recognize me if I didn't have her because she's in a wheelchair. Right. Okay. And I would speak to somebody they would be like, do I know you? I'd be like, I'm Ariana's mom. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, they didn't even like, no, they, it was so funny when I realized that I was like, some people don't even recognize me unless, unless she's with me. Right. And and like, I said, oh my God, people don't even recognize me. And like, and it was so funny because when I realized it, I was like, yeah, we are always together. I can see that. They probably like, who's that person that's not connected to somebody? And like, even when people would say introduces, I would say my name and hers together. Right, okay. You know, there was, I had to just learn how to separate this because I had to learn as a parent how to get my own time. Right. And give her her time because she still deserves her own time. She deserves her privacy. That's right. I had to learn to ask her things and say, hey, you know, can I borrow this? Can I come in your room? You know, things like that. I had to learn that because it was just always us and it was, there was no boundaries. I had to learn to put boundaries there so that she, so that I could teach her 
what boundaries were and that she knew how to understand that when somebody crossed the boundary, you let mama know. Right. Right. So even I had to learn how to not, you know, not to cross boundaries because it was just me and her constantly. And that's something that I think parents sometimes don't realize too, when you're constantly around your child, you have to learn to draw those boundaries and be okay with asking your child, can you, so that they can learn if they can I, or may I, or ask for things or be able to tell a person, I don't like that because this makes me uncomfortable. Right. And it starts with you teaching them that because they're not gonna know if you don't. That's true, that's right. I think for my, with my son, I taught him boundaries, but he also had to teach me boundaries. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, <laughs> when you want to walk into a child's room, I'm so used to just walking in that now I have to knock on the door and then wait for him to say, it's okay for me to come in and then go into his room. And then there'll be other days where I'd be like, you know what, I don't care. I'm just busting in this room. <laughs> and that's only because, <laughs> that's only because if I find something that is missing out that kitchen and it belongs to me, I'm coming up in that room. I'm not knocking on doors. <laughs> other than that, I will knock on the door. So yeah, my son, he had to learn boundaries. It was very hard for him because he's such a people person. And mm-hmm. he was always wanting to be in people's spaces that for him to learn how not to be in people's spaces was very was a challenging effort for him. But now he knows not to get in people's um, space. And um, he's doing he's doing really good with it. He really is. He really is. So yeah, I had to learn how to set boundaries even for me. Yeah, it is. It, and I sometimes I don't think parents realize that you gotta have boundaries. And that go for any parent because, um, you know, sometimes they're like, well, you know, I do this with my child. They, they gotta teach him. Because if not, they're, they're going to go out into the world and people are going to cross boundaries with them and they're not going to know how to draw those, those healthy boundaries and tell people that don't do that. Instead, they're going to allow people to do things to them, whether it be good things or bad things. Right. They're not going to know how to say comfortably that I don't like it or this makes me uncomfortable and not realize that you can say that and if somebody don't like it, that's their own problem that's their feelings not yours as long as you can speak up for yourself you have to teach your kids how to also be advocates for themselves when you're not around that's right that's right my son is a big advocate for himself when i'm not around between myself and the school system we were able to teach him that and he mm-hmm. understands that so mm-hmm. you know certain situations he may not be able to handle so he goes he may walk away quietly from it or he may cry about it later on but other than that, he can advocate for himself. But I still advocate over him when I'm around. Right, right. And that's the important part that you're there. He knows I'm there. He knows I'm there. <laughs> he is well aware <laughs> of me being there to step in and um, help him out. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, he knows. All right, so I do have a few questions for you because you answered some of them while we were sitting here conversating, which is great. All right, so we're going to talk about motherhood now. <laughs> um, what are some of the joys of being a mom? Uh, just the experience of it all. Just, um, I didn't, I didn't have the best experience after becoming a mother because, but I, I made the best of it, but. You know how, first of all, let me 
let me just say this. Sometimes I have to do a disclaimer. What you're hearing me say, first of all, you're gonna get the truth. Um, it doesn't mean I don't love being a mother. Doesn't mean I don't love my child. It means that as a, as a woman, a person, a human, I also have to be honest. Because how we gonna learn and inspire others if we, and, and be honest if we can't be transparent? Right. So let me just first back up and say, I didn't like, I didn't enjoy being pregnant. You know, some people, they enjoy being pregnant. They're like, oh, I love the pregnancy part. Oh, and you know, they have five, six kids. Oh, I love being pregnant. Baby, I was hot. She was born in November, so I was hot. It's during the summertime, I don't like being hot. I barely like even putting on clothes. And having to go to the store was like, oh my God, how long we gonna be here? I already been like being, you know, shopping around a lot. I like to go get what I get and come out. Right. So I knew who not to go to the store with because they stay forever. And it was just certain things like that. Then moving forward to actually having my child, I actually had a, um, a couple of complications and I ended up having to have a um, cesarean. Okay. So after the cesarean, I was like, okay, ugh. I ain't having no more children. I was not playing. I'm not having no more children. So I had to have like wicks put in and the decisions and stuff. Like it, it, it was just hard. And then during that process, while I was healing, that's when she was shaking. Her father shook her at seven weeks old. And that's when like everything started. So I don't feel like I really got to see the part of parenting the way that a lot of people got to see it. But I got to see it in my own way and be able to draw my own conclusion as a mother. What life was gonna be like. Okay. And when people started telling me what life was gonna be like, I started saying, now let me show you what life is about to be like. Okay. Because they put you in a stigma the minute that happens. Right. And I had a lot of shame and stuff I had to let go of as a mother which I talk about that in my um, my blog, Desiree's Diary. I had I call it, um it's called Let Go of the Shame, where I talked about what happened with my daughter because for years, I didn't talk about what happened with my daughter. Even my best friend didn't even know what all went down because I was so ashamed to talk about it. I finally let go of all of that because I was like, these parents need help because if anybody was going through what I was going through and feeling the way that I was feeling, they need some help. So I'm gonna ready to share my story. But it was just like, oh my God, and then it hit me one day because so much was going on. It didn't hit me until she was about one. I was like, I'm a mama. I got somebody that I have to be responsible for that not only am I gonna have to be responsible, but every time as a, as a mom that's gonna be a caregiver, I had things that were going on in my mind that were gonna be for the future. Right. Like, okay, how? How do I get through this? Still be a great mom to her and give her the experiences that she needs as a child without holding her back, without being afraid. Because now mama's scared to even leave her with somebody because this was a traumatic experience for me. Mm -hmm. So I even had to learn how to let her be a child. And as I was learning it, I was still learning how to be a mother. Yes, the instinct of mother came naturally for me. Right. The protection part, the mama bear, that came naturally. It was the part of making sure that I was going to be able to nurture her and not put my traumas on her that I had healed from, from my childhood, and be the mother that she needed, 
not just as a child, but as a special needs child. Right. I had to make sure I could speak up for her and not be afraid and not let people walk over me and tell me what she was gonna need without me doing the research myself. Okay. And as I did that and I learned, okay, this is this is what motherhood looked like for me. And I started visualizing and saying, okay, this, these are the things that I want. And these are the sacrifices I'm gonna have to make. I made sacrifices with jobs. I made sacrifices with friends. I made sacrifices with family because my child had to come first. Right. And as I was learning that and still learning who I was, because I was in my twenties, I was still learning me. I was still out there wilding a little bit just because of my own trauma. And that's just how I handled it. But I will say this, as a mother, and knowing motherhood and knowing and, and looking back on things, there's nothing I wouldn't change about becoming a mother. Um. Now, would I, will I have another child at this age? Absolutely not. I don't even want to slip up by accident. <laughs> because we are now, <laughs> we are now set. We have spoiled each other. We in this peaceful house. We don't want nobody in here that's crying and we can't send back no well. You know, we done got ourselves to a point where, uh-uh. And even with her, like if we're around somebody, she's very passionate. And I love seeing the fact that she has compassion for others. If a child, is, and this is another reason why I know I want kids. If a child is crying, somebody, a child is crying, my baby would look at me like, mama, go get that baby because you can help her. Right. Get, get the baby. And she knows that. And I'm like, oh, uh-uh. If my baby looking at me like that and she think the baby is uncomfortable over there with their own parent, I know ain't no child children coming in here. Right. Mm-mm. Because my baby gonna look at me every time and say, the baby crying. You can help. We have a house full of kids, somebody else's children house. Okay. Because <laughs> my baby, I, I, and I'm very proud of her though. I'm very proud that she has compassion because you don't see compassion a lot in, in people. No. They, they've lost it. They've lost compassion. So to see that in her makes me very proud. Um, and I'm proud of her because She's not allowing the things that she's been through to keep her from love. And that keeps me going as a mother. As a mother, it keeps me going. Even on my rough days when I'm having some rough days and I'm thinking, am I doing the best that I can as a mom? You know, and motherhood just comes with so much. It comes with a lot of things that people forget about. It comes with needing self-care, self-love. We forget sometimes to take care of us. It comes with needing attention. You know, people feel like you got a household of children. You need no attention. I need adult attention. That's what I was telling you. All. I'm so happy to get adult conversation sometimes. Because I don't always get adult conversation. Now, do I get adult? I, I talk to my mom. But I'm talking about adult conversation where it's not. It, it, there's, it's a friend involved. Right. Where we can talk about things. And the person understands what it means, like you and I, to have a special needs child. And nobody's not looking at you wrong. Or when you say you can't do something, they're not saying, oh, you can do it if you do this. You know what? You need the experience. That's right. Because you, you don't have enough compassion. Right. We can't just up and go. And, and if we make plans in advance, guess what, as a mother? Guess what? They might not happen. I might have to cancel. Right. That's right. I wish more people knew about that, but they don't understand that. 
and no. it's not our fault. It's just that we work around our children. And that's one thing that my husband and I have always expressed in different conversations with different people on interviews, especially my fathers. I need my men to listen. Y'all special needs daddies. I need y'all to understand. You have to learn how to work around your child and stop trying to make your child work around you. If your child does not want to play baseball, do not beat your child in the head because they don't want to play baseball. If your child wants to play another sport that is not baseball, basketball, or football, don't get mad at them. Don't get mad at them. Every child is different. Right. If they want to do lacrosse, support them. Figure out how to play it. And if you don't know how to play it, find somebody that can teach them how to play it. If your child wants to play soccer, go out there and kick a ball around. There's nothing wrong with that. Your child does not have to do the, the big three, baseball, basketball, and football. Mm-hmm. Sometimes them sports get over um, our, uh, what's the word I want to use? Over, um, they just, they're not played out, but they're played out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or our, for the black community, they, they kind of played out for me. Let's yeah, dominate. Let's dominate other sports besides those three. Well, we right. can't even dom- we can't even say baseball no more. Basketball and football. Let's dominate more sports. We right now, we got golf. We got tennis. Come on, come up. Dominate some more sports besides those four. I agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah. So I know I'm leaving out some more swimming, track, yeah, gymnastics. Let's dominate some more sports. So. And, you know, I've always listened to men talk about how their child, they wish their child can go outside and play baseball with them or basketball or football with them. And my child don't want to throw a football. He wants to sit there and either watch YouTube or he wants to sit there and color or he wants to sit there and uh, what's other excuses I've heard men use. Um, They'd rather sit there and do theater or stuff like that. So... Arts and music. Hello. What's wrong with the theater? Right. What's what's wrong with doing arts? My son is an artist. My son played baseball. He wants to get back into playing baseball, but it's hard for us to find a little, you know, find uh what's it called? Special Olympics here in our area. But mm-hmm. my son is an artist. And he'll tell anybody that I am an artist. Then I'm an athlete. And he loves his he loves to draw that I, I'm not gonna stop him from drawing. His father is an artist. So, and I'm not talking about his stepfather, cause he is an artist. I'm talking about his bio daddy is also an artist. He also played baseball. So the athletic gene is inside of my son cause I'm athletic too. But my whole theory is this, if your child wants to, whatever your child wants to do, long as it's legal, let him do it. Right. Because ain't nothing like seeing a child happy um and all of a sudden you upset because your child wants to do something that you don't that you don't want to do with them no you need to spend time with your children whether they are normal or their special needs you need to spend time with your children you need to introduce your special needs children to normal children because they got to go to school with them right they got to learn how to bond with them 
How else would a normal child know how to operate when a special needs child comes around that corner? If you don't put your children in that predicament to where those kids can learn how to bond together. That is what my son experienced in school. He experienced being around normal children and some normal children didn't want to be bothered with him because of special needs. Okay, fine, don't force it. Then you had children that were normal, that do want to be around him, has nothing to do with him being special needs. Majority of the time it's his artwork that gets kids um, attention. And so when they get to know him, they have fun with him because he is watching the same shows as everybody else. He's doing the same thing like everybody else. And that is because I want him to understand that you are going to do things like everybody else. The only thing that separates you is your disability. Right. And that is, and I want you to be okay with that. And he was. The only thing that pisses me off is when the parents find out that their child, who is normal, is hanging with a child that is special needs, and they get mad and and break up friendships. Right. Because they don't want their child to be seen with someone that's special needs. Um. You better hope that you never have to work with someone that is special needs. Or better yet, you better hope that you don't get pregnant and have a child that come out special needs. Exactly. Because karma will bite you in the butt. It will come. I always, I always be concerned about that <clears throat> with um, parents that I see that are a little, you know, put off by special needs children. I'm very concerned about that because it, I always think in my mind, if you ever, do you have a child like that? Because you know, you never know. Or if you did, what kind of parent would you be? Right. Would that child be safe in your home or would it be neglected? You know, I think about things like that because there are parents that do do that. Yes. There are some horror stories of some parents that have done that. And it concerns me. And I wanted to say, going back to, you know, um, dads, you know, wanting their child to be able to do certain things. I, I I had dreams for my daughter. I wanted her to be in martial arts. Okay. And the reason why her she loves martial, martial arts anyway, but her one of her uncles is a third degree black belt. Okay. And he's always practiced around her, even when we were um when we were all growing up. I was the oldest, so he was the baby boy. So he always um was practicing. We take her take her to the events and stuff when he had them when they were local. So she was used to that, and I heard he would always come around her and practice. You know, they make that noise, and I heard her one day say, hee-haw, and she didn't do a lot of talking, but she started making noises, because she would cool a lot. And she started making noises, and her noises were those sounds he was making when he was kicking around. And I would hear this sound on the bed. It was her kicking her foot, copying him. Okay. And when I noticed that, I said, she needs to be around more people doing stuff. So I started renting videos that had karate in it because I was like, well, if she likes this, maybe she'll do this. And she loves stuff like that now. You know, we were talking about the um, Marvel. She loves watching those types of, anything that has like action in it, does that. So anything about karate or anything dealing with women fighting and they're doing like, like pray or, um, Mulan, things like that. She loves that type of stuff. And so I don't hold her back from watching that. All I, all I do is observe her and see what she likes and make sure that I put her in a situation where she can enjoy it. 
So, I mean, I had those goals for her where, I, oh, when, you know, when I have a child, I want them to do this, I want them to be in this, I want them to be able to do that. But of course, they go their own way as well. But I had those goals and stuff too. And for a while, I couldn't even hear children outside playing. I had went through a breakdown. And I couldn't even hear kids outside when it, when it first happened to my daughter because I started um, reality kicking. Right. And I started realizing that she wasn't going to be able to walk. And she wasn't going to be able to play like other kids. And I and I already knew how kids can be because some of their parents are like that. So I already knew how it was going to be. Right. So I was already psyching myself up to tell myself, try not to go to the prison early. <laughs> Stick around long as you can. Like I would tell myself stuff like this. Stick around long as you can. You know, careful. It was stuff like that. And then finally, I got to the point where it was like, I'm just going to say what I say. And if somebody don't like it, we're going to brawl out. Right. And then we're going to go about our business. Because at, at first, I was like, okay, just try not to, you know, get yourself locked up. Then it was like, you know what? I'm going to say what I say. Because first of all, what she's not going to see is me not take up for her. That's right. She's definitely not going to see that. Mama going to always take up for you. I don't give a damn who it is. You're not finna come in here and talk about my child. You're finna come in here and say a little smart stuff. And if a little kid said, go get your daddy and your mama where to end. Cause we get ready to handle it right now. Your child said this, made my child uncomfortable. We need to have a conversation. That's right. If the, if the parents pop off like this, it's like it's my fault or my daughter's fault, we're gonna all pop. Because guess what? There's, there's consequences to bother people's children. There are consequences when you don't teach your children boundaries. That's right. So you can't sit up there and think that you don't teach your children boundaries and then don't teach them consequences. So here they is out in the world operating. And then you come across parents like us that believe in consequences and believe in boundaries. And then get mad. Yeah, what you mad for? We're doing what we have to do to make sure that our children know that when they get out in the real world, this is what they expect of you. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that you live to see another day. Yeah. So we have to Definitely. do what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or not, doesn't mean that we hate our children because we do not. Nope. We want to make sure that our children are on the right foot and that they are attentive to whatever is going on around them. Because a lot of times you can't even say things now as a parent. And you definitely can't say it as a special needs parent. Because people take offense that take offense more than you do. You ain't even in my household. Why are you more offended than me? Exactly. What's problem? Don't be more offended than the people that's dealing with it. If I ain't, if like you don't see nothing wrong with my face, then why are you tripping? Right. Don't be more offended. You know, a lot of times people are like, oh, that, that, she said she was overwhelmed. She need a break. You don't need a break from your children. You need a break from your children. You shouldn't have had children. Put 10 people, put 10 children in their house and don't let them leave, please. No, matter of fact, let me send my children to your house and I'm gonna let you experience 24 hours of it. No, I'm, you know what, I'm gonna give you a whole week. I guarantee you in 24 hours, you're giving them back. Especially my son. I kind I used to have people that would tell me when he was younger, oh, he is so cute. I would love to take him home. Take him home. I guarantee you, five hours, you bring him back. I'm laughing because, well, I already ain't going nowhere. So as soon as she hit the word, she, oh, I, can I babysit her? No. 
I mean, she speak to herself. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, you don't want to go home with me, Jenny? No. <laughs> She's not playing. Because first of all, in her mind, she like, I have more fun with my mama. Go, mama being here creating. When COVID came and people was like, we don't know what to do. I was like, mm, we already been doing this because we had no choice. Right. We were doing. We already it. had to be creative. We were doing it too. When COVID hit, we were more happy to stay at home than to be out in them streets. While we were sitting there watching everybody committing suicides, jumping off buildings, taking everybody out in their household, including themselves, going to um, mental health hospitals and stuff like that. Me, my husband, and my children were just as happy as we wanted to be being in this house because my kids expressed to me they were tired of school anyway. You know, sometimes people, when that happens, my heart goes out to people who can't um, be alone with themselves. Right. Uh, and, and some people be in households that are domestic violence too and the only break they get is either at work or school. So I get it. Yeah. I do get it. But I wish there were more things put in place um, when things like this happen for COVID, I wish there were more things that were in place already because it was happening pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. It's just that a lot of a lot of people didn't put things into action until they were forced to. Right. And instead of being proactive, they were reactive. Well, here's the problem: when when a human being is not able to control the situation that they are in, or better yet, control whatever is going on around them, they freak mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what a lot of what millions and millions, not just Americans, but millions and millions of people all over the world did. Right. They freaked out because they did not know how to control the virus at hand. Two years later, we're still in COVID, so we can't say post-COVID. We can only say pre-COVID. So right. don't go out here saying post-COVID because nope, the rising does the numbers are going up. Especially here in Virginia, the numbers are going up. So for us to be two years in COVID, uh -huh. we do have things now in place for what we need to do. But a lot of people think that, you know, we can walk around here with no mask on, blah, blah, blah. And I'm one of them. I ain't even gonna sit here and lie. I am one of them. I do walk around here with no mask on, but I don't go everywhere without a mask on. I only right. go in certain stores that I haven't been in in a month or, or longer with a mask on. Now my husband, his point is, well, you ain't been, if you was in this store today and you come back three days later, you need to have your mask on. I said, but I also know where my hands are. See, I pay attention to the small things. I'm not too concerned about mm -hmm. what's in the air because my immune system is strong. I can con I can beat COVID with uh, vitamin C, zinc and iron and I'm good. Now, and I just literally dropped the gem on how to beat COVID. So I hope y'all catch that because I'm not repeating it. So, um, I can go around without a mask on because I'm more concerned about where people put their hands and I'm always listening to somebody sneezing, somebody coughing. So I make sure that wherever they at, I am not in that area with them. Mm -hmm. And I stay back as far as I can. <clears throat> so I do give myself the six foot um, distance in stores. I, I really do. I don't yeah. want people to, don't be up on me. You know, a lot of us, a lot of us was doing that already, Coco. You know that we were already doing it. Like some stuff with I got so aggravated and frustrated with people when they would see you doing something, they'd be like, Oh, you don't have to do that because it is, or why are you doing that? Or you wear your mask all the time. First of all, 
because of my daughter, I I always had to be cautious. Right. Because of her immune system, I've always had to be cautious. Because guess what? If, if I get sick, who gonna care for her? Thank you. So I gotta make sure I'm well and don't bring her nothing. That's right. So I've always been like that. And during the winter season, we've always wore masks because it's flu. So it wasn't no thing to just add it on for, for you know, extended time. Because right. we were already, already, already wearing and I was already wearing gloves and certain stuff. Like there were certain things like gas pumps and stuff. I was already doing that. Yeah, we were too. Yeah, so it wasn't like anything that, but when people see it, this is what was frustrating. When people see it, they forget that there are people out there like us that are caregivers, that have people. First of all, our own system could have been, you know, compromised, mm -hmm. but you don't know because you're walking up to a stranger. But what frustrated me was how everybody put everything on COVID. Oh, you're doing it because of COVID. That's still not that. First of all, you should have told me this five years ago. Mm. You should have told me this 20 years ago. Mm. You mean just because COVID just came, you just not realize I did this? You seen me before COVID came. We've been in the same area for years. You seen me prior to COVID doing the same thing. And just now, it bothers you. Right. No, that type of stuff was frustrating me. When I would hear people say something, I'd be like, listen to them over there talking copying what they don't heard on the news because you ain't thinking that some people was already doing this. Yeah. My husband and I, we were sitting there talking about it. And when COVID first hit and they all said we um, had to wear our masks, we were forced to wear masks. My husband said, hmm, you know, Michael Jackson was on to something years ago when he was wearing a mask and everybody laughed at him. I said, you know what? You absolutely right. Never put the two together until he said it. Michael Jackson, when he was alive, yeah. he was wearing a face mask around his baby boy. He was wearing things over his face back then. Never put two and two together that he was actually doing something that had no idea that in the future was going to actually have to happen anyway. Right, right. And people were clowning him because he was wearing <laughs> a mask on his face. Yeah, people love clowning other people that are minding their business. You need to be mindful because you mess around and clown a sociopath and then you in trouble. Mm -hmm. That's like I keep my mouth shut. When people be doing stuff and you see me sitting in the room and I was talking and I get quiet because somebody is picking at somebody. It's uh -huh. because I don't know what's in the room. You mess around and leave out of there and you done been talking about a sociopath. I won't be involved in it. I promise you that. I won't I'll be, be going home to my child. Thank you. I wouldn't be either. But mm -mm. I don't know. It's, it's just, um, it's pretty bad. Yeah, I don't play them games. When I hear people doing that, even I, even when I see posts and stuff, I just scroll past it. Like if I see certain posts and I be like, yeah, that's a little edgy right there. I, I can't fool with that one. I just keep going. Like um, there was a lady that had her child on a leash and the child was, um, I guess it was acting like a puppy or dog or whatever. And somebody took a video of it and posted it. And of course, you know, people reshare stuff. All I kept thinking was when people were talking about that person, even the person that was driving by doing the recording and people was laughing at them and stuff. All I kept thinking was, what if that child has a certain disability and that's their coping thing that they like? And that's the only way that, that that mother can get them out or keep them safe or keep them from doing certain stuff and this is what that child is. Right. You look at the parent as though, look at that parent being bad, but you're not looking at the fact that what if that's what, that, that's what keeps that child confident. Right. So some stuff I won't touch. Just like somebody was laughing at a, um, a lady on the subway when she was in New York. She was holding her child. 
I mean, she was she was a little big. She was. She looked a little older. But you don't know if that child had special needs or not. She had to carry her child. You don't know that, right? You don't know if that child was injured, had to sit in her lap or not. But when people do certain stuff like that, and I'm like, why they laughing and stuff like that? You know, y'all gonna see that later, right? And I, this was certain things that I see, I see before I had a special needs child. Like there was just certain things growing up. My grandma didn't want plants. Mm-hmm. You don't go out here messing with folks. You don't go out here picking at people. It was just certain stuff. If you can't say nothing, nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. And sometimes you will see me quiet. Somebody say, oh, don't you got anything to say? No. No. Because I already know what the room's going to do. Every re- um, every reaction don't, every, every action don't need a reaction. So. No. no. Mm-mm. I had to learn that though. There were certain things I would react to, and I would be like, you know, you you, you didn't have to act like it because now everybody looking at you like you wouldn't talk it. I did. Mean, <laughs> it wasn't you. And a lot of that came too from after I had my daughter and she was shaking because I had my breakdown. I did have a mental breakdown, but my mental breakdown wasn't mental at the time. It was mental, but it was emotional, and I ate myself to over four hundred pounds. Wow. Yeah, it was it was rough. And I had to start coming down off that because, you know, that's health issues and things like that. But right. it was hard. And I'm still struggling with emotional eating and things like that as a parent. And I know, and again, y'all, like I said, I get real when, um, I'm real all the time, but I get really real and transparent when we're talking about being a parent, especially being a caregiver, because it ain't just about being a mother. And it's not just about having a child. It's about letting people know that there are things that come along with that depression sometimes anxiety comes about postpartum you got so many things that come into play that people don't understand because they're not trying to understand because they're not affected by it right and because they're not affected by it they don't care about it right because their point is well it ain't happening to me oh just hope this your first child oh you you plan on having more keep on living that's what I keep telling folks keep on living on living. I, I went through the same situations that you went through. I don't know if I could say that my son um, was a product of, a product of shaken baby syndrome. I guess I could because his father shook him. Mm-hmm. And it's, the dumbest reason for doing so was because my son did not say dada. He kept saying mama. So he thought that he would shake my son to make him say that, girl, all I saw was blackness. Mm-hmm. And I took off running and I hit my son's father in the face and caught my son before he dropped out of uh, before he dropped out of his hands. I won't play it. Yeah. I won't uh-uh. play it. And I told yeah, him, it's... you will never in this lifetime ever put your hands on my son again. And as a matter of fact, I won't say that's the last time he saw him, but that was the last time I let him be around him by himself. Every time he had to see Jay, he I was there. And so right. he was thinking that I was trying to trap my son's father into being with me. Part of that was true, yes. And I'm, go- I'm not gonna lie about it. Part of it was true because I was still in love with my son's father. I wanted our relationship back. And after a while, I remember being on the phone and uh, God, um, was showing me what my life was getting ready to transpire if I'd have went back to him. And I remember seeing in my own blood, if God wrote, do you want this to happen to you? Question mark. 
And when I saw that, it scared the living daylights out of me. And mm-hmm. I told my son's father, he was sitting there cussing at me and everything. I said, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> this conversation is over. I think we did the right thing by not being together. I'm done with it. Click up. Yeah, yeah. And that was it for me. And I was just this happy as I wanted to be. I was happy and carefree because I promised my son that I would never leave him alone, that I would never leave him by himself mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where he was at. Just, yeah. like, just like I said prior, when I met my husband, it took me two years. The first two years of our relationship, my son was not by, I did not leave my son in the room with my husband for the first two years of our relationship. Could I trust my husband? Absolutely. But the defense mechanism and the trauma that my son went through, I thought in the mindset of my son. So therefore I did not leave him alone. And the, um, the one time I had to let him be by himself with my husband was when we was at the mall and he had to go to the bathroom. And I was like, I'll take him to the bathroom. And my husband said, no, I'll take him to the bathroom for you. You do so much. You do so much. Let me do it from, let me do it. Let me do it this time. And I started panicking. Uh-huh. I started rocking. <clears throat> the different death scenes were popping in my head. On yes. I was scared that he was gonna go out the back door with my son and take off running. But I also remembered that I taught my son at a very young age the different places where people should not put their hands on you. Mm-hmm. And the call, because we had codes. So I also taught him the code that he needed to make in case something was to happen to him. So yeah. I didn't hear no codes. I checked them over in front of my husband. Yes, I did. I, I was, yeah. old, but I had to do what I had to do. I checked my son all over, make sure there were no bruises on him, no scratches on him, and nothing there that wasn't already there because I knew every mark that was on my son's body. And mm-hmm. I could tell anybody that asked me, yo, where did he get that mark from? I could tell you where it came from. Most parents can't even do that with their kids today. <laughs> but I did that and I said, I, I, you know what, Jesus? I'm gonna put this relationship in your hand because you brought him to me. And if you brought him to me, I automatically know, I should know that nothing is going to happen to my son. Not until he got much, much older, but that was my son's fault. My son thought he was gonna be Billy Badass, run up in my husband's face. And my husband told him, you don't get out of my face, I'm gonna knock you down, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, y'all, y'all need to cool it. Y'all need to cool it. And that's another thing I had to deal with. Learning how to allow my husband to be his father because I right. was mommy and daddy for 10 years. <clears throat> and my, my husband had to do the same thing with his daughter because he was mommy and daddy to her for 10 years. So we both had to learn how to trust one another when it came to disciplinarians. Mm-hmm. And so I laugh about it now because that crap was funny. And I matter of fact, I think I laughed when it happened. I honestly was. And so my son got mad at my husband for running up in his face. When my husband turned around, Desi, let me tell you, my son uppercutted my husband in his back. It ain't funny. The funny part was the fact that he did it and went through with it. And I'm not talking about no baby uppercut because I taught my son how to fight at a very young age. I mean, he gave one of them 
uh, how can I put it? That Rocky Balboa uppercut. In <laughs> Listen, I play video games. All I kept thinking, why oh, you could? <laughs> God, you know what? It's so funny that you say that because my husband does that all the time. <laughs> my husband does that. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that. My husband does the same thing. He be like, I don't get it. It's so funny. Well, damn it, my son did that to him. My son did that to him. And all I saw was my husband turn around. Girl, the next thing I know, my husband put my son in that head, in that headlock, and took him down to the floor. And I said, okay, Jesus, enough is enough. I went off on everybody in that house. Right, everybody. Everybody's in trouble. I told Jay, you wrong, because you should not have uppercutted your your father in his back. And I told my husband, you were wrong, because you should have never put him in the headlock. Matter of fact, you should have never allowed your anger to take you to that level. Yeah. You wrong too. I told him, both of y'all go in your damn corner. (laughs) I told Jay, go in your room. I pushed my husband into the room and slammed the door. I laid him out, then I turned around, came out the room, went into my son's room, I laid him out, and I said, now y'all make up and have fun. Get your damn clothes on, cause we going out in the street. We coming out here acting no fool either. I went on for everybody. Y'all, I shouldn't be laughing like this. I shouldn't be laughing like this, I'm gonna tell y'all why I'm laughing, because all I thought about was how you became mama to everybody in the room. I sure did. Yep, at this moment, I'm now mama to everybody in the room. And because sometimes as parents, it takes that. When we are single parent, when we start off being single parents, yeah. you know, the defense mechanisms go up. And so yes. my defense mechanism went up for both of for both of them. My defense mechanism went up as a mother to my son. My defense mechanism went up as a wife to my husband. So I told them, both of y'all are in the wrong. And you mm-hmm. can hear them, girl, you can hear them fussing like they were two kids out on the block playing on the playground. And I'm like, shut the noise up, shut up. That I don't want to hear it. I do not want to hear it. You were wrong, because you should not have put your hands on them. You were wrong, because you should not have allowed your anger to escalate you to that level. But you know, I'm glad you, you spoke on that though. I'm gonna tell you why. Because sometimes people think that people's households is um, regular and normal. This is life. Yes. Things happen. And the way that you handled it, where you spoke to both of them and not just one of them, was the right thing to do because people watching. And when I say people, I mean your son is watching, your husband is watching. People are watching how you treat them. And the fact that you went to both of them and talked to them was the right thing to do. Because a lot of times when, when we get like that with our defense mechanism, we go to the, the adult because the adult is the one that should, should be acting a certain way but you also have to and like you did you also have to let the child know you know you shouldn't have did that rather i feel a certain kind of way about it tonight. you shouldn't have did that and that was something that i think a lot of um strife happens with marriages yeah in relationship regular relationships even if you're not married but you live together a lot of relationships happen like that where they break apart yes and see with you and your husband that could have went totally totally different and if it would have, that could have caused strife later on because ain't nobody gonna forget it. No, absolutely. And um, one thing I wanted my son to understand is this. I am your mom. I'ma always take up for you. But like I always tell them, right is right and wrong is wrong. Mm-hmm. And in this predicament, you were wrong. Mm-hmm. 
you should not have put your hands on my husband. You should not have put your hands on your father because that's not what you're supposed to do. You are a child. If he tells you to do something, then you do it. I said, but you know what? I'm gonna tell you where you really went wrong. You went wrong when you ran up in a grown man's face. So what my husband did was, since you want to act like you're grown, I'm gonna show you how. You, I'm gonna show you grown. And I always tell my son that if you're gonna run up in somebody's face, you better be ready for the consequences. Regardless yeah. of the fact that you're autistic or not, you are well capable of knowing what it is that you're doing sometimes. Right. And I told him you can't, you can't pass that off as if you didn't know what you was doing. So then I went to my husband and I told him, you are an adult. You do not allow a child of that pedigree get you that upset where you got to put your hands on them. I said, cause that could have easily went left where I could have said, F you, I'm calling the police. Right. And had you arrested and made your job null and void. Right. I could have done that. Right. I was well within my rights to do that, but I did not do that. I didn't see fit for that to happen. It wasn't that, for me, it wasn't that serious because Jay was wrong. Mm-hmm. He was wrong too. So I called their bluff on, I called their hands on both ways. You got right. people out here that won't do that. Majority of the time, women in particular, and it's funny that we say, that we're talking about this because lately I've been hearing a lot of conversations about how women, mothers have taken up for the man that they are dating versus the child. And is always saying that it's the child's fault because you trying to ruin what I got going on over here. No, I need you to be, I need you to be real with yourself for a moment. Why do you put so much faith into a man versus a child that you gave birth to that is always going to stand by you through thick or thin? Right, right. Let's be, let's be honest. Why would you do that? That's just like going for, you know, go for my husband. I could have easily said, Jay, this is all your fault and patted my husband on the back and told him I'm sorry. I could have done that too. But my thing was, I don't agree with neither one. I don't agree with what both of y'all did. I don't agree with neither one of what y'all did because both of y'all were wrong. So I'm gonna just call it fair. Right. Wrong, right is right. Neither one of y'all was right. Both of y'all were wrong. Mm-hmm. So if you, that, I'm sorry. No, you can't. So if you are not willing to respect that, then I'm gonna need for you to pack your stuff and go on out that door. I'm not saying that I'm taking up for my son, and I didn't say I took up for my husband. I didn't take up for nobody. Like you said, right was right and wrong was wrong, and they were but they were both in the wrong. Right. And so I told I told I make this very well known to to women in particular because we as women we are the ones that are always doing this to our children. We are always putting another man before our children. I'm not talking about the son, daughter, child, daughter's father. I'm talking about another man we just happened to meet that we may not mm-hmm. even know of. Mm-hmm. We just like what they come with. Money and a pee-pee. <laughs> so we let the pee-pee do exactly what we wanted to do to us and then we get brainwashed. Mm-hmm. And after we become brainwashed, no matter what our child says, that becomes obsolete. All we do is focus on what the man wants. We cannot keep allowing ourselves to ruin our relationships with our children because of somebody else coming into the household. And I'm not talking about, I don't want to put it all on women because men do this too. 
they do this to their daughters if they are raising their daughters. Like I say it because the prime example, my husband and I, we are perfect examples of this. We are perfect examples of how we have allowed somebody to come into our lives and we have neglected our children because we're too busy trying to have our fun. Mm-hmm. And I no longer could do that anymore. My focus was, if you can't accept me and that boy, then you don't get neither one of us. Right. That's how that works. If right. you can't accept me and him because we come as a package deal. We come as a package deal. Mm-hmm. If you can't take him, then you don't get me. Right. And a lot of men hated that. My point was, I don't care. Nah. Anytime I have a a conversation with you and I talk to you about my son and you ignore what I'm saying about my son, but you're more concerned about what I look like, we got a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, I I don't know which way to go with that. Because I'm more on... I keep going back to this because of the way you handled it. I don't know that I would have seen it like that. Like I would have been more pissed off that he put his hands on my child. So that's why I'm like, even though my child did something, that, that's why I'm saying to you, I like the way you handled it because I know I still got things to work through. Right. And I know that everything would have went left. And by the, by, the, by the time stuff was finished in that household, that man would have called the police on me. You know how I know? Because men have called the police on me, but for... <laughs> so I already know. It would have been done. That's why I always tell people when I talk about mental health and being a mother, and you know, I'm trying to get myself right because I see, th- I saw things, I saw things in me that I was like, I need to get myself together because I can't keep putting my hands on men when they do stuff. So I had, to, I, I had to fix me because I said I seen, I seen my daddy, right? And I was like, yeah, that aggression that you got, you got from your daddy. You need to get yourself together. Because you already said you can't stand there anyway. You can't stand something that you are mad because you like that. You see it. Right. And right. that was what I was. I was mad about it. So I said, she finna help me get rid of this shit. So I was like, you, you, please help me. And the lady, she's so nice. She's trying to help me, Coco. Okay. I have to talk about other stuff sometimes because when we talked about it, girl, I broke out. My lips were swollen. It was like I was getting rid of toxic stuff. My lips were swollen. And when it was time to go back the next week, talk to her. The day before, I sold up again. And I told I took my mask off. I said, we can't talk about it no more. Look. <laughs> and she said, OK, we'll hold up on that time. She said, it's like you had a allergic reaction. Yeah, it was like I didn't need, like, it was like I was allergic to that conversation. Right. Literally. And I said, OK. I said, I know it's unheard of. I said, I'm an unheard of person when it comes to stuff like this. When some of the people be like, I can't believe that happened. You have to see it for yourself. And right. then you'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe that. Right. But I keep saying how proud I am of that. And I keep coming back to it because I, I see, I see me making that go wrong. And when when you become aware of who you are, it makes you responsible to do better. Right. I ain't never worked on myself so hard than I have now as a and getting my mental health together because I'm more aware of who I am and the things that I was doing. Right. That awareness really does something to you. You can't ignore it. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. The minute you become aware, yeah, it's a wrap when you become aware. You know, people be like, oh, you know, I'm aware. I know you're not. I know awareness when I see it because I, I see it. 
and you it's totally different when you're aware of yourself. Yes. Yeah. It took me a long time to get to that point. Yeah. Please, I'm trying to tell you. That's why I know with my child, we in this house by ourselves like this. I don't say it before. We comfortable. Anybody that bring chaos in here, they gotta go. Right. I had a gentleman over one night and I rarely have people over. And I said, okay, I'm having come over. We talked, and as a mother, this is a difficult decision for me, especially when you got a little girl. But you have to be careful when you got little boys now. But especially if you got a little girl and people think she can't communicate with me, I taught her how to communicate. Right. So of course you're gonna think she can't, but oh, she can. She will tell on you. And I went to the bathroom. I didn't even want to go to the bathroom, girl. I, when I tell you I was tippy-toe having to use the bathroom, when mm-hmm. it was up to my eyeballs, mm-hmm. I said, you're going to have to go, girl, or you're going to go right here on this couch. So just go. Right. I went to the bathroom, and I, I was panicking. My anxiety went up. All I kept thinking was, oh, my God, he got a few minutes to be in there. Where even though all I had to do was tinker, but... I still was nervous because I was like, I gotta wash my hands. I gotta do all this. Like I was thinking about all the stuff I needed to do and how long I was gonna be in there, and how long he was gonna be able to be in the room with her, even though he might not be like this. Right. Because you know how people be like, well, you should know who you date. Some people ain't never been caught, boo. Uh, hello, hello, somebody. So I was like, okay, calm down, calm down. Let me tell y'all, and this, I'm gonna tell y'all this. Don't y'all think different about me now? I use the bathroom halfway. And I finished using it when he left. And I ain't talking about like number two, I'm talking about number one, y'all. So I used it halfway and stopped it. And, and you know, clean my foot, washed my hands, and went back out because I was like, he thought, in my mind, I was like, I bet he thought I was gonna go all the way. I ain't gonna all the way over here now. Right. But, <laughs> but in my mind, I was like, you can't even date. No. Because you 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 can't trust nobody, even if they not like that. Because right. in your mind, you think that somebody gonna do you the way that you were done when you were. Right. And you trying to prevent it at all costs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that cost and that cost at that time was my bladder. Cause I was like, I'm not getting rid of it. You're not getting in there to be with her by herself. I let me tell y'all something. I've come a long way. And the reason why I'm sharing this with y'all is because we're talking about motherhood and sometimes people leave out the fact that mental health comes into play with that a lot, especially as a character. Yes especially when you don't have any outlets. Right. And there were times where if I had used the bathroom or if there was something going on where I couldn't be in the room and that and that man was gonna be not even in the room with her or just the fact that he could walk in her room and I wasn't gonna be able to see him, I would make them step outside until I got finished. I would lock them. If you were still there when I opened that door, you come back in. If you was gone, I don't care. Cause, Cause guess what? Ain't nobody in here got no trauma. No. My, well, I did, but my daughter didn't. <laughs> my right. daughter ain't got no trauma. So we could. Like I was willing to sacrifice those things. I didn't care how you felt about me. You didn't want to wait outside the door, that's fine, bye. Cause guess what I thought, I could I don't care if you was offended. The first thing I thought was, oh, he wanted to be by himself with my child. Right. So you thinking one thing, I'm thinking another. Those types of things that sometimes people don't realize they correlate with being a mother or caregiver and mental health. Absolutely. And, and that's- don't understand that, that our minds go that distance. And it's, I wanna say it's worse just being a special needs mom. It is mm-hmm. literally worse because we get more to 
we got more to lose. We got more to lose than I think the normal parent. And I, I'm not saying that that parents don't have nothing to lose. I just think we got a little bit more to lose because we have to overextend ourselves just to take care of our children that, that, are, um, that have a disability. Whether it's a lightweight disability like Asperger's or it's a heavy disability with like Down syndrome, we got more to lose. Right, right. We got There's, a lot to lose. It's not even just about the more part, Coro. It's about the fact that some parents, children, can't talk. And people play on it. Yeah. They do the same thing with adults. Sometimes when they put them in rest homes or and they're in homes and you got people that are abusing them and, and you know, um, raping them over and over and repeat because they can't tell nobody because they can't talk. Like stroke victims and stuff. Yeah. You know, people are dealing with things and nobody, and, and people are like, you know, how can your mind go to that? People's mind go to it. Exactly. So I'm you, so you sitting up there, right? You hide, you hide the time with some. Oh, I don't think about stuff like that. You may not, or when you think about stuff like that, it comes to you. First of all, you better be prepared so you know how not to get in. Right. That's where we come. That's where it comes in. Trying to figure out, okay, what's the routine? That's where routines come into play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like with my, just like with my son, I taught him at a very young age that if anything was to happen, this is how I need you to move. This is where you need to go in, your, in this house. And he, even though he's 14 and I tell him something ain't right beyond that front door, he automatically goes to the spot. And that's where he stays until I tell him it's clear. Right. So, no, we don't play those games. No. Mm-mm. And these are just not two steps ahead. And, and that's how it should be in your household. And it's not just about special needs parents. We're talking about disabilities and special needs parents and caregivers. We're talking about that because that's what we are. Yeah. But these are things that you can use yourself as a parent, period. Yes. To have your child aware. If it's a fire, these are the exits in the house. This is what you do. If you're on the second floor, this is how you get down from the second floor out the window. These are the things that you teach your kids because these are the things that can help them function and be safe. Right. Even if it's good to teach them how to maneuver when they in school, if something happens. It's yeah. good to teach your kids that, to let them know. Sometimes schools do have protocols now since a lot of things have happened, but it's good for you to tell your child, it's okay for you to text me. Yes, my my, mm-hmm. daughter, my son and daughter, they got codes. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. they send me that code, I know exactly what to do. I even got a code for my husband because, like I told you, my husband is a school teacher. Mm-hmm. And when them, when it, I know that some days he'll be telling me, I fear that one day that somebody will come up to the school and start acting crazy. And I said, well, I tell you what, we're gonna come up with a code. Just like we do with our children, you got a code too. And when you text me that code, in all caps, I automatically know what's time. It's time, what it, we need to do, it's time to move. There is no wasting time. Cause right. I got plan A, B, C, D, E, F, and G already laid out. I got the first half of the alphabet, the first 13 letters, I already got laid out what I need to do. Right, right. And that's how it should be, not just for us, but for all parents. Right, it's a protocol. <clears throat> I mean, even for me, we have a bad case. So if we have a fire or something happens, she has medications in there that I rotate out. Mm-hmm. We have, um, four days of clothes. Mm-hmm. She has milk in there that I rotate out. 
we have things in there that she needs, her medical supplies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All of our stuff is in that one bag. It's a big bag and it rolls. Like I can put it on the back wheels and roll. Right. Or I can carry it as a duffel bag. We did that because, first of all, you got to learn. If you see other people go through stuff, you got to say, how do I prevent that in my house? Right. And like I said, sometimes you got to be proactive and not reactive. You got to learn how to start being proactive in your own life and your child's life so that you don't have to react to certain stuff. So that you'll already have stuff in place. Right. And when we have those things there because I know it's going to take a minute for me to get her in her wheelchair if she ain't already in it. We can't be running around grabbing nothing, especially if it's a wire fire. Anybody got time? Right. So we have to be prepared and ready to go. Because you don't know what can happen. We live in an apartment complex. So anything can happen. Just, just um, it's been about a month now, maybe a month and a half. The the building wasn't connected to us. It was across the parking lot, but we're still in the same community. Like we're still in, they were in a building like 300 or 400. Okay. And it caught a fire. It didn't affect ours because we were across the parking lot. But still, if they were, if we were connected to them, it would affect us. Right. So there are things that you know people be like, well, you know, uh, we, we make sure we don't leave this on. You still don't know because, especially if you live in an apartment, people fall asleep. You have no clue, so you have to be prepared for stuff like that. Right. And I, I know it sounds sometimes y'all probably listen is like, you know, why we need to know all this? Why is this? It's important. Because not just as parents, it's important as a woman to be prepared. You need to be prepared for things that may go on. Right. I believe in women being safe. Um, Because a lot of men see women as weak. Yeah. So you have to be prepared for things. And as a parent, they see you as slow. That person got a child with them, we can snatch them up quick. I would love to see them try. But you have to, if you if your if your children are prepared for incidents, you move a lot quicker than they thought you would. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why we're talking about it. That's the reason why even we got on this topic about advocacy and talking about motherhood and talking about things that you can do for your child because it's there. It's there for us to know. You know, sometimes even being a caregiver, a lot of times caregivers think, well, you know, that don't apply to me. It applies to you. Yes, it it applies to you more than it apply to anybody because you got to teach your children over and over again sometimes because they, they, they may not learn it the first time. Right. Because you got to really be prepared. Absolutely. Because other pe- people's children might get it the first time. So you got to be more prepared than the, than the next one. Yep. So it's important. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, I don't, I, I think we covered every question that I didn't even ask. And more. <laughs> <laughs> which is always, which is always a good thing. But the one thing I do want to ask you is this. And I don't think I got the opportunity to ask you in the beginning. So... I can ask you here at the end. Um, tell my guest who you are, what's your name, and what it is that you do. And I know that you own a store, correct? Yes. So I want you to also share with us how people can reach you if they wanted to place an order from you or follow you, or better yet, even want to support you. So 
So I am, um, I, you know, I feel like I shouldn't have to do that introduction. That's how we got fast because I was so blown away. But I'm Desiree Covington. I am the owner of Desi Mays LLC. And Desi Mays LLC is a three tier. So the first tier was my blog, which is Desi Mays Diary. And that's where I share um, about mental health, talk about caregiving. Um, I share my stories about life, things that happen to me day to day. Um, some, some of the things that I've mentioned, um, I, I give real life stories with a hint of humor. Mm-hmm. Because some things you don't want to always focus on sad stuff so you, you do hear me put a lot of humor in there because it's always good to laugh like we spoke about earlier my second tier is my podcast which is conversation with Desi May and that I haven't really been on it this year that much because I'm doing some changes to it but um I talk about everything again with the hint of humor you're going to get real life stuff real life stories things that have happened in real life um the reason why I do that is because in order to be transparent you got to be accountable right and you have to be vulnerable. And uh, vulnerable is not always about what I've realized now and learned is vulnerability is not always about looking weak. It's about being able to be um, compassionate. And then I have my third tier, which is Desimee's Whatnot. Desimee's Whatnot is my store. And that's where you can go in and you can shop apparel. Um, I have like self-care um, shirts in there, talk about inspiration. And it's basically me just bringing inspiration into your home. Whether you're a caregiver, a parent, if you need a little bit more inspiration, you can wear it. And it's to remind you daily of who you are. I have tote bags on there that have affirmations on them. Um, you're worthy. Um, beautifully unique because sometimes we need to be reminded on a daily basis out here in this world who we are and that's what my mind what Desi Mays LLC is about um I can be reached at Desi Mays D-E-S-I-E-M-A-Y-E-S dot com and from there you can find everything on the website or you can also reach me on Instagram um Desi underscore May and click the link in my bio it takes you everywhere um on my sites Thank you so much for sharing that information with us. The conversation was awesome. I know that it may be running a little bit over than what we're normally, what which y'all are normally used to, but this conversation was very, very important to me because one thing that we don't talk a lot about is special um, needs children as well as what it is that we as moms take on day to day in our lives. So I was glad that this conversation ran a little bit. And if this conversation is a little bit too long for you, then cut it off and go to someone and go to something else and then come back and finish it off. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. But before we, before we leave out, I'm actually going to give y'all some closing remarks. I did notice that y'all like the closing remarks section. So I'm actually going to add that into the podcast episode from here on now. So my closing remarks is this. On today's episode, we talked about how special needs moms are taking over the world. We discussed the importance of having a support system and how that can help you thrive as a mother and as an individual. We also talked about how important it is to find your tribe, the people who understand what you're going through and can relate to your experiences. Finally, we touched on the fact that there is no normal, quote unquote, when it comes to caring for a special needs child or an adult. Everyone's situation is unique, and we have to remember that there is no way to do things in order to be a good parent. We should all be open-minded enough to listen to each other's ideas and try new things. 
Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the freedom to use the gifts that you have given me to use in the capacity that you would have me to use them. The wisdom to give them back to you for your glory and the opportunity to serve you in the marketplace. Today, Father, I ask for you to bless our guest host. I ask for you to give them strength as they persevere through challenges that may come their way in their business. I ask for provision so that their business will be a sustainable source of income for those who are connected to it. I ask for you to provide them with fresh inspiration and networking partners so they can grow together as one. Lord, I ask for you to show us how to run our business with integrity, diligence, and compassion so that we may help others just like you continue to help us. I pray that you turn our hardships into testimonies of beauty as we continue to shine our light in our industries and for favor to follow us everywhere we go. Where I am lacking in faith, Father, help my unbelief. And as I close out this prayer, Lord, I ask for your grace and mercy to continue to follow us all the days of our lives and to thank you for the confidence to know that with each prayer we pray that it is traveled by the Holy Spirit to your ears. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Miss Desi, for joining me on this episode of Cobra is a Crush. I, I, whew, this is a great conversation. And I'm so glad that I was able to have a guest host up here that actually can relate to some things that I think about in my head that I'm nervous to talk about out loud because I know people won't understand me. But the fact that you understand me makes my life a lot easier and therefore I can say I am no longer alone thinking these thoughts. So thank you so much for joining me on um, on this episode of Coro is a Crush. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I want to tell you thank you for having me on and um, for you guys out there that are listening, thank you so much for supporting. Thank you for just being here for us because it's important as caregivers that we care. Caregivers unite and stick together. Absolutely, absolutely. So on next week, um, we're going to have another guest host up here. We're going to wrap up Mother's Day month. I mean, I'm going to call it month because we don't deserve just one day. Actually, we should have all the whole year to celebrate Mother's Day. But we're going to wrap up the month of May on next week with our next guest host. And then we're going to go into the month of June where we are going to celebrate fatherhood all month long by having um, a new series come out called Just Men where I will sit down and talk with small business owners that are men and talk about the joys of fatherhood. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I am your girl, Meek Austin, and I am signing off. Peace and be blessed. Hey, hey, it's Neek Austin here, the host of Cobro is a Crush, where we talk about fashion, beauty, and faith while remaining true to ourselves. Every episode, I talk to someone who's trying to make a change for themselves or their community and learn about how they've made big or small improvements in their lives. I also chat about what's going on in the world that might be holding us back from being our best selves. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor for the Cobro is a Crush podcast, please reach out to Coro Crush Podcast at gmail.com. Check out our new advertising opportunities now available on our website at www.shopcoro.com. Book your ad spot today and let me do the rest. 
I love to hear from you. 